Welcome to the Turf Nutrition and Management Podcast, the podcast for professional turf managers. Here, we talk about the profession, the ever-changing products, and the business side of owning and operating a turf management company. Whether this is your first year in the business or your 20th, our discussions and special guests will help you continue to grow a successful business. Now, here are your hosts with 35 plus years in the green industry, Kevin and Doug. Welcome back again. It is the Turf Nutrition Management Podcast, as you just heard. Myself, Kevin, and Douglas. Part two, kind of a, a run on, just a crazy couple weeks of shows, shows coming up. Warm weather in the pocket, and really, I guess we should talk, talk about pre-emergence. Like, what's everyone's go-to? What, what are you seeing, or what have you seen over the years of what people want to use and maybe have changed to? Well, it, it depends on the application, um, whether they're a spraying company or um, a golf course, sports field, or they like granular. So, um, you know, I, I've noticed the shift in the last couple of years to prodiamine, more prodiamine. Um, more likely, it's probably because of cost. Um, but then I always hear the nightmares with prodiamine when they spray and they have the nightmares in the tanks um, with the the ball, the beads of balls because it's not mixing properly or whatever. Um, so it's very important to get that product agitated and mix it correctly um, in order the way it's supposed to be done. Because if you mix like water soluble prodiamine the wrong way, you are going to get those balls on the bottom of your spray tank and you are not going to be happy. Um, but with that being said, Dimension also has its issues when you have cold water. Hmm. Um, right. So I mentioned we were talking about that at the uh, webinar the other day. And, uh, you know, if you are a Dimension user and it's cold, you have very cold water, <clears throat> have some methylated seed oil on hand to get that back into solution because you will it will look like cottage cheese in your spray tank. And it's a simple solution, um, but I don't know how this isn't known countrywide by now, because this is something that I saw back when Dimension 2EW first came out. And uh, here we, I was 20, maybe not when it first came out, but the first time I heard about it was like 2009, 2010. And uh, it was a simple solution. Um and here we are 2024 and I still have people that are like, Oh, I never heard that before. Um, but so it, it, you know, it depends on what the application of choice is, but I would imagine that granular wise, it, the most popular product is probably uh, prodiamine. Um, but it's also a good product. Um, you know, but I would say it's probably a little bit more flexible than dimension, so, because you can get started earlier with it, um, and, and why limited. why is the earlier? Explain that for everyone. Oh uh, well, you know you have a long, bigger. Um, how do I say this? More active ingredient loads out there. Um, so if you are going to go earlier, you might want to go with a bigger active ingredient load, and then uh, come back with a lighter active ingredient load to second application. Um, you know, dimension. Personally, I mean. 
this is just experience on my end. I'm not going to sit here and tell you this will work in every area. Um, but I personally think dimension goes down way too early. I think dimension, if you're spraying, not granular. If you're a sprayer, dimension can go down later um, when you start doing your broadleaf weeds in second round. And uh, I still think you can get great control um, with one application with Dimension 2EW or Dithiapir. Um, Dithiapir 2EW, because there is no Dithiapir 4L out there anymore or 2L, whatever it was. Um, you know, but again, I think it's important to use a really good surfactant with that mix to get your product down to where it needs to be. Um, not all surfactants or adjuvants are created equal. Um, so make sure that you're using the right one. Um, but you know, would, would no, you consider no, the MSO to be a great no, match? No, no, that's only going to help. For, not for that mix. Um, first of all, it'll be caught too expensive. That's true. number one. And then number two, um, you're not looking to break down the waxy cuticle of a leaf blade at that time. So you're just looking to get your product down to where it needs to be. And that's not what MSO does. Um, so, you know, 90, 10 surfactants, um, I think are a good choice. Um, you know, many people have them. Um, some people just don't promote them. Um, but they're out there. And I think if you have a really good salesperson to deal with, you will already know about them. Um, you know, one of the biggest things that I see, you know, in our industry today, you know, is that we use a lot of machines, right? Um, so, you know, it's also very important to um, have a deposition agent. So it basically like, um, how do I say this? It makes the water like heavier, so to say. So it drops faster. So if you're in some windy conditions, um, you'll be less likely to have spray drift. Um, you know, it's good to have things that will drop your pH to where it needs to be. Um, I think it's very important with herbicides to get your pH down to about five and a half in that ballpark, um, give or take, obviously. Um, so there's a lot of good adjuvants out there slash surfactants out there that will do that for you. Um, and I think people see the price and then they rate go to that spreader sticker because it's $24 a gallon. And those are usually up in that 40 to 50 range. But when you look at that rate, your cost per hundred gallons of water is much less. So again, we talk about knowing your numbers. We didn't really talk about the whole surfactant thing too much. Um, but you know, that is something that knowing your numbers is very good to know when you're using a surfactant. But again, make sure you're using the right one for each application because we might be talking about a four in one for your broadleaf weed control. And you might want like an organosilicone for your fungicide application um, to get your product down to where it needs to be. But there's also products out there um, that, you know, have surfactants built into them. Um, one in particular, you know, a chitosan type product, you know, whoever's you're going to use, typically have surfactants um, in them um, to where, you know, you don't have to add a surfactant, but they also provide really good plant health. Um, so that's also another option. Again, 
talk to your salesperson out there and, you know, gain some knowledge on it. And if you have your doubts, take 10 lawns in a development and go spray those lawns and make sure they're weedy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. And uh, you'll, you'll see the difference if it's sprayed correctly. But, um, but again, it's important to know how to mix these things, you know, Proper mixing orders are very, 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 and times a million important. And I think it gets taken for granted because we don't read labels today. Um, some of us do, some of us don't. Um, all this information is on your label. And if anyone knows me at all, what's the first thing I tell you when somebody asks me, what's <laughs> what's the rate on that product? RTFL, baby. So um, with, <clears throat> I mean, with, just for people to understand, is there an is it an oxymoron to go out with a weed control product and a nutritional valued product such as a chitosan product? No, not at all. Okay. I think yeah. it's a great thing to do. Just playing devil's advocate. And, oh yeah, and, absolutely. And, no, I think it's a great thing to do. Um, you know, I, I guess we get into the some of us get into this mindset that all right, it's just we should be doing this. Um, at that time of the year, because all right, maybe the weather's not a hundred percent conducive or whatever, but anytime you can add something to enhance a product, um, e even if it's for future efficacies or results, so be it. Um, you know, things like chitosin or just you know, organosilicones or these 9010 surfactants out here, even wedding agents, right. Um, wedding agents can be used as an adjuvant. Um, you know, even though you know, we call them soil surfactants, um, you know, they can be used for that reason to get products down to where they need to be, like, you know, a celeprin or imprelis or imidacloprid, things like that, where you need to get them down to that soil level. Um, you know, they are very good to do. Kytosin is very good to do that with, uh, these built-in surfactants that they have with them. Um, some are, you know, yuccas, some are APG surfactants. Um, so they can really have a huge benefit, not just for product performance, but also overall health of the plant. So I want to bring back my experience when you first kind of introduced me to a surfactant and it was, I want to say June-ish and some new customers signed on. And you had me use the product from Turf Trade. And it was three days and it was the weeds were like browning down. And, and that was and that's what you said. It says, listen, I want you to go out and test with this, use this, very low rate, yada yada yada. New customer, so I had to go out and do a blanket spray. It wasn't heat issue, any problem with that. And I went out just as a broadleaf weight weed application and man, oh man, drove back by three days later. It's like Shut the front door. It was totally night and day. And it was dry as a bone. Yep. And, you know. That was a bad year. <laughs> these are not, I think people, I, just, I don't want to say people. I think we get caught up thinking that we're just trying to sell something else, right? Um, but they're very important for product performance. It made a huge um, difference. If you, like I said, if you're not a believer, just take 10 lawns and go out and do it. I can speak for one of my other customers that I had. Um, he was using a, a product from someone else when I 
first started selling to him. Um, and I'm sure he's going to know who I'm talking about at this point. I just, I'm not going to mention names on this. Um, but you know, that company stopped selling in the area for whatever reason. And, uh, that's how I got in the door a little bit in the door anyway. Um, and boom, he went out with this product and, uh, his Brawleaf weed control turned around a thousand percent because he just added a dollar 85 per hundred gallons of water <laughs> adjuvant to his mix, which was not just a surfactant, but it was a water conditioner, a pH reducer, and a deposition agent all in one. Um, I know like last year, I think everyone I talked to in the spring last year, it was windy. Right. Yep. It's just, I think everybody I talked to last year, and that is something that, especially with these machines, you've got to have a deposition agent in that mix. So you're not, you know, spraying down, turning around, and you got the spray drift coming right back in your face. Um, so I'm not saying that's a hundred percent, but it will certainly help. Um, and there's a lot of good products on the market. It's this one's not better than the other. It, you know, some of them are, don't get me wrong. Um, but a lot of them, there's a lot of really good products in the market. And man, for God, a couple cases that might cost you 300 bucks for a round. God, for the average customer out there, it's, it's your best investment. It really is. And I noticed that same difference of, uh, we'll call it the spray drift, the, the reduction of it, because all guys that have been on the machines, they know it. They, they make their corner and you start getting into your next lap and you just you start chewing. You're like, son mm-hmm. of a biscuit. And you really yep. work hard not to do that. But I, I did a couple things, obviously more water volume. I, that was a huge contributor. 100%. And then having some advogens in there just definitely made a big, big difference. Hey, guys, we are excited to be partnering with Green Frog Web Design. Green Frog is an extremely personalized web design and hosting company. Ezra and his team specialize in developing, creating, and even hosting your lawn care website. Before starting Green Frog, Ezra owned a lawn maintenance company just like you and I. It was in his curiosity that brought him to wanting to start something a little bit different. His search for websites, SEO, Google reviews, and being able to pinpoint his exact marketing plan sparked his desire to start Green Frog Web Design. Imagine having a website that works for you 24 hours a day. No days off, no vacations, just a well-developed website specifically designed to grow your specific business, not just a cookie cutter template. Let Ezra McCarthy and his team develop a website that will not only look amazing, but it will be the best team member that doesn't take a break. Green Frog Web Design, your lawn care marketing agency, can be found at www.greenfrogwebdesign.com. You know, we're talking about prodiamine and dimension earlier, and God, I hope somebody develops another pre-emergent sometime soon. Um, I think there's actually one coming. I just don't know when it's actually coming. And that's just to change um, up some some science and some. Yeah, just we need a different mode of action, man. I, you know. I hope it doesn't smell like dimension. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> I, I uh, I've been hearing a lot about goosegrass becoming a major problem in residential lawn care, and you know it could be the fact that we might be seeing some kind of 
resistance going on. I know, I think, was it Steve McDonald the other day? I think he touched on that a little yeah. bit. Yep. Um, they're actually, you know, they're actually doing some pretty big science on it because it's becoming yeah. such a problem. Oh, in golf, it's such a big problem in golf because of the shorter cut turf. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's just, it's a nightmare. And now that it's, it's not everywhere in lawn care, but it is becoming a bigger, bigger problem. And, uh, so, you know, we need different modes of action for this. Um, you know, so hopefully there is something out here soon that we can then in turn rotate a little bit more. Um, but at the end of the day, it's also one of those things that there's another reason to use a good adjuvant slash surfactant with a pre-emergent to get that product down to where it needs to go, especially since they're rainfall dependent. Prodiamine, it's you need to get that watered in pretty quickly. Um, probably like seven to 14 days in that ballpark. The thiopir slash dimension, that can go a little longer. But again, how it'll be much more effective if it's down already than it is if it's just sitting there on the leaf plate. Um, so I know personally, I haven't done more than one application on my home lawn of, of dimension. I still have, I think it's got to be 12 years old dimension 2EW that's sitting in my <laughs> garage that I've used. That's impressive. Um, Cause I'm my lawn's a freaking poster stamp. So I don't need a lot. Um, I haven't, I spray right, right around Memorial day every year. And I never have a blade of crabgrass on my lawn. Now, granted, okay. Over time, you're, you're definitely going to, you know, Redu keep that under, under check. Yeah. You reduce that population as well. Yep. Probably in proper fertilization and whatnot. But um, I believe that, you know, if we, mow our lawns correctly we water correctly and we do the timing of these things the a better way or the correct way i think the results will speak for themselves on how much better this can be um you know i think a, we go into that spring and the first time we mow the grass is already 12 inches tall and <laughs> take it right down to the ground and boom guarantee you're gonna have a couple grab crabgrass plants on that lawn um but I, I, if we can become better at what we do, and some of us are really good, and some of us are learning, I think if we can all get to that plateau and become better turf managers, we can save ourselves a lot of money on chemicals just by managing properly. So last year was a dimension year for me, mm -hmm. split app. This year is going to be a prodiamine issue or a season for me. It, it's not so much the financial part it's it's more of changing and prodiamine i went out granular one the first year i did it and then went out with the the liquid and i was running what i knew at the time of a third per gallon and it was next to impossible to get that mixed properly and in suspension and very common and a couple things changed one i i went up in water volume to We'll be going out with minimum half, but most likely a gallon most rounds this this year, as long as my water source comes true the way it should. And I was also mixing in the tank of the steel green instead of using a mix station and, and creating a nice pre-mixed load going out, which is going to be huge. And obviously, 
when you're going out with a higher volume of water, your AI is less per gallon. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's mixed better. But yeah, I was going out and you think you're doing a great job of having it mixed in the tank and you're going through a lawn and all of a sudden your nozzles are going, you're spreading mustard across the grass. It's like, oh shit, yep. here we go. Little tip burn here and there. Um, <laughs> Dimension's worse. That happens in Dimension. You're killing shit for the year. You'd be lucky to get grass to grow in those areas. It was forgiving enough, but going up to those higher volumes and having proper agitation and mixing ahead of time is definitely, definitely worth it. You know, you know, I get it. The 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 low water volume usage out there. I do. I get it. You know, especially in today's world with with our labor issues that we have in our industry. Um you know, the ag side does do it. I mean, my God, I think on the ag side, you're down to like probably 10 gallons to the acre of water. <laughs> not with everything, not with everything, but on certain products. And uh, it's hard to fathom how that could possibly do something, right? Um, I think with if you're just spraying a broadleaf herbicide at a third or a half gallon to the acre all day long, I, I don't think you have any issues there. Um, but when you start getting into, you know, pre-emergence fungus, or I mean, fungicides, I mean, that's, that's a no brainer, obviously. Um, but you know, I think it's important to have some water volume because those products aren't contact. They need to get down to that soil profile. Um, and you know, again, when we got to rely on mother nature to water these things in for us. You know, I mean, granted, this year it might rain every other day. Last year it did not. So let, let me ask you this. I had a, a listener reach out, and, and and I I think it can be done. I'm not sure. But what do you feel about grub liquid grub control at a half gallon per, per thousand? As long as it doesn't say that anything higher on the label, I don't, I don't necessarily, again, I don't have a problem with it as long as you're using something with that to get the product down to where it needs to be. Got it. So if you wanted um, to reduce your carrying of water, because you know a lot of people reach out to us and and I feel their pain um, of not being able to carry the amount of water necessary to cover the yeah. square footage they need to do for the day. So that half gallon really kind of makes a difference between going half and one of what they can get done for a day and legally weight wise carry on their truck. But I also think you know if you're spraying grub control and your liquid fertilizer and your pre emergence um, and maybe let's you know a surfactant with it or a, a soil enhancer let's say i think you need to go with some higher water volume um, when you're mixing more products in a tank um that's just my opinion i the more water volume you can have i will always stand by that you will have just a better better result um and i get it you know, we need to get production done. You know, spring is a very limited time frame um, to get things done because of weather. And, you know, days are shorter. Um, we don't have as much daylight. But at the same time, we don't want callbacks. And, you know, I think if we can just take a step back, do a better application, we'll have less callbacks, um, better control of broadleaf weeds, better crabgrass control. Um, I think you'll be happier. I really do. I think some of the questions that I've gotten over the last two weeks in regards to this is based on our Know Your Numbers podcast that we did of putting out a granular application and doing a liquid 
grub control, let's say in my area, it would be round two. It, it really rung the bell of some guys understanding that they really don't need the full load of nitrogen wrapped on that product that's going out right. in a granular. So if I can go out, throttle back my granular nutrients, and then go out at a half gallon in my tank for grub control, I should have pretty pretty good results. Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. And, and I thought, so I just wanted to kind of talk that through with your experience as well, because I that's what I thought. But I like the thought of people actually thinking that, wow, you know what, I can cut back some of that granular that I'm putting out there, because there's no need for that three quarters of a pound on round two if you just hammered them on round one. Yep. Throttle that back, change it up a little bit, different stimulants that are out there, and and still have the effectiveness of that grub control at full rate. It's a Swiss, becomes a Swiss Army knife. You know, you're able to do, when you're using some of these liquid additives and control products that are out there, it it just, it really, you can do anything and keep them at the proper use rates. Absolutely, 100%. Yeah, look, nitrogen will always be part, well, let me say, I I shouldn't say always, but. (laughs) Careful, um, Congress is going to vote again. (laughs) Yeah, this is probably the next tuck-in bill. Um, (sighs) You know, it's an essential part of what we do. I personally don't think you can ever get away with not using nitrogen. The plant needs it. It, it uh, needs it. Exactly. Um, but I also think that with all this new technology we have out here today, that um, we can do things with less. Um, if we can get everyone on the same page uh, with mowing properly, watering properly, and all that kind of stuff, everybody wins. And... I think the education side of our business has to really ramp up um, to get homeowners, townhome communities, commercial sites, maybe not commercial sites so much because, you know, a lot of times you're just probably just keeping somewhat green and weeds under control. Um, but for people who really want a nice lawn, you know, we all have to be on the same page. And, uh, you know, I think I've mentioned this before. I'm going to do something different on my lawn this year. I'm cutting it two inches all year long (laughs) and I'm going to see how it goes. And Hey, if I have some issues in the summer, it is what it is. I I don't Um, think you will. One, you're going to, you're going to watch it Two, You're mm going to properly train it to the two inches instead of doing it in one cut. You have irrigation if you do need it. Yep. So proper irrigation again, you know, it, it's these, the reason we, myself personally want longer turf height is because of the what the customers and the mowing services do to the lawns yeah and i think i mentioned this before too and it, you know i'm going to mention it again i went to that hydrowise controller for irrigation and man i went back and looked and in 2022 from i think it's like three quarters let's call it I spent like $1,500 in water. Now, that includes my pool, okay? Yep. But this past year, I only spent 850 Well, you definitely weren't filling your pool this year. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> but, especially I, July. but again, that's that's only... But so I guess it really wasn't a good gauge on No, I year, think so. it is. You, you don't put that much water in your pool to no, top it off. No. Uh, but at the end of the day, I believe that it really helped out on how it you know got through the summer uh by knowing how that uh, you know watering correctly and whatnot um and then i went and killed it and now we're gonna have to start all over again uh, but you know i'll tell you 
two warm days and phew, I'm starting to see some green. It's crazy. <laughs> I'm telling man. you, you're going to be um, well, what you just broadcasted for weather 65 to 70. You're going to be mowing. I want to, I might apply something tomorrow. You should know. probably stripe your lawn Sunday for your Super Bowl party. <laughs> That's what you nah, should do. Come on. Nah. Get some spray paint and <laughs> do it that way, but not stripe it. <laughs> Come uh, on. Nah. I don't, I don't ever want to, I, I hope I never have that nightmare again. So <laughs> let me, let me ask you this. If someone was wanting to do that, what would be the most successful way of, let's say, striping a lawn color wise? A sports oh, field. There's, there's, what do, you do, mean? You mean for like like a pigment type? Yeah, product? not not white lines. I mean, how do how do how do these guys do it? I mean, I know they they cut in their roller packages and all that stuff, but there's definite times where there's different different colorations on each pass oh, well, or I other mean, pass. In golf. I mean, that's just a mower doing that. Yeah, though, um, I get that part, but there's definitely some turf changing colors on sports fields. Oh God, yeah. So there's you know there's pigments out there. It's it's funny that you say this because. Um, this is something that I'm going to work on where I'm doing some test plots this summer. Um, Cause how do I say this? I've said it before and I'll say it again. We need to figure out how to do some applications in the wintertime and not just, and generate some cash flow. So when spring gets here, we have no money left in the bank to go buy product. Right. Um, I'm not, I'm not saying that's everybody, but it is, I hear it all the time and there's no revenue. It's not snowing, blah, blah, blah. So why are we not doing applications in the winter time? So there are pigments out there. There are turf color colorants or turf paint, um, as some call it. I think there's somebody down South who does a lot of that. Um, um, he's a very popular social media presence. And, uh, so it can be done. But, you know, you can't just spray out of your, you know, your 300 gallon tank or your uh, ride on machine or you're going to have stained tanks and you're going to have stained sidewalks, fences and all that kind of stuff. So um, but it's something that I asked last fall before I made my change um, and I want to figure out a way where we can find a product like uh, like, you know, certain irons out there that don't stain um you know it's a t always a topic of conversation i'm sure you're all going to see it on these social media platforms in the next two to three weeks hey anybody know an iron source that doesn't stain well they're out here you know but nobody seems to want to i i use one to that yeah I and know i you do and i i have pasted white vinyl fences with it and you'll see as it comes out, let's see, that product is going out at... 16 ounces to the acre. Uh, that part, but I, I think I was running a gallon carrier. Mm -hmm. And so you're leaving like coffee color on, on the fence. Yep, and yep. by the time you're done with your perimeter pass and you start doing main field, it's gone. Not There's yep. nothing. Literally, yep. it's... it. And if it does... And I've done it, it rains, on purpose. It'll be gone. Yeah, I've done it on purpose first, testing it at half gallon, and I had no problem. So again, it... I'm not going to mention the product. It's a product that I, I love, and I didn't get any in the raffle this week, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it's again, it's one of these things that you know, it's a topic of conversation every spring. I need an iron source that doesn't stain. Um, you know, granular wise, eh, that's a little tougher to do. But you know, one thing I always say is, 
don't fertilize the pool. I mean, what do you want me to tell you? Um, easier said than done, especially, you know, when you're on a machine or whatnot, but you know, one of my customers had that issue and, uh, um, he basically had to sit down with all his applicators and was like, look, you know, this is the way it is. You know, you need to not get this in the pool or you're going to get those phone calls and you're going to go clean the pool. <laughs> so um, two things with that. I, and, and I know Matt from Nutmeg State does the same thing. We hand feed it like literally yeah. with our hands at the edges. Yeah. Um, I did have two cases of that. It was two things. One, inferior product due to COVID, granular. And um, two, the pool guy that actually came out to remedy it, he said, People don't realize, but even when you come in and mow your lawn in this area, you may not have distributed yep. when your lawn care guy did this, but when they mow, it they're going to break a pellet free or, or two. And it wasn't like it was blasted in the bottom of the pool. There was yep. four, four or five locations. And then their solution is vitamin C chewable tablets in a, in a tube sock. Really? <laughs> I was blown away. It's, wow! It and he, they just put them in a tube sock. They get it all wet. They they literally put that tube sack down with one of the poles. It sat right on the spot for thirty seconds to a minute. Pulled it off. Took a little scrub brush. Goodbye. That fast. Oh. I was like, wow, that was awesome. And it's not just NPK and iron you got to worry about in a pool. Um, I'll tell you, you know, P phosphorus obviously, um, you know, can be a problem. Um, one year I put a product down that was like, this is true 15 years ago, probably. And I wasn't paying attention when I was doing my backyard. And, um, actually I was paying attention to the application, but then I was blowing my patio off and I blew some of this product into the pool. So it was like a, I want to say it was like a 1477 and it was like 35% humic acid in it. And like two days later, I come home and my pool was green. Yeah, baby. Like, yeah. Well, <laughs> I had such high levels of phosphorus in my water that I had to, I want to say it was called Fostrol or something like that. I had to put the product in, run my pool for 48 hours. It dropped it to the bottom. Then I had to vacuum it. And I had to do it like six times to get the phosphorus out of my water. How how much product did you think get in the pool? <sighs> a twentieth of a pound. Damn, that's how fast things can change in chemistry, man. Man, that's it's, crazy. That's why you know we talk about mixing products properly, right? And it's that quickly a product can turn to gel in your spray tank. Yeah, well. Mm-hmm. That and cold water. <laughs> yeah, and that and cold water. But cold water you know, got me this year, last year. It's uh, it's just something we we all take for granted because it doesn't happen all the time. But when it does, man, it's usually a nightmare. Jeez, I can't believe you had that much pee in your pool. Oh, it was it was horrible, dude. Really? I think I had to do it like six or seven times to finally get it out of my water. So that year, my water bill was probably like three grand. Because you know when you vacuum the pool with a vacuum through your pump you're all that water is waste. So you're, you know what I mean? You're, and it's weird. It was like, it looked like, like just, I don't even know how to describe it. Like up top was clear, but the bottom looked like three feet of algae on the bottom. <laughs> it, it was insane. So 
you know, every week I was taking, I don't know how many gallons, probably 10,000 gallons of water out of my, out of my pool and then replenishing it and then starting all over again. That's how much, that's how much phosphorus got in my, uh, water. Just another reason not to own a pool. (laughs) They're a lot of work, man. I love it. It's, uh, I love sitting in my pool at the end of the day (laughs) or at night and just having a cocktail and, you know, enjoying the uh, night air. I'm sure if we, well, we, I grew up with a pool. We were, yeah, we had a, a pool when the kids were young, but it just, it turned into a maintenance nightmare, but who knows if I would want one now that we're, uh, more than middle-aged people, let's say to actually relax instead of being there wrestling and throwing kids in and out. And I still love it, but if I didn't have one, would I build one today? No. Got it. Um, I, you know, it's funny, you know, when we built the pool, we figured, ah, our kids will have all their friends over, yeah. which they did. But, you know, then they got, like Emily got bigger into sports and we were never home in the summer anyway. So, um, who knew at that point? Um, but at the end of the day, it's, uh, it got its use, you know, it's, uh, but like I said, if I had to do it all over again and didn't have a pool today, I would not put one in. Hey guys, are you struggling with your social media? Or maybe you were like Doug and I and just take a ton of pictures and never seem to get them posted in a consistent manner. Well, thanks to creative content by Jessica, this task can be completely removed from your to-do list. If you're looking to increase both social media presence and your client base, Jessica can definitely help. From a simple post to the complete management of your social media platforms, Creative Content by Jessica specializes in creating and posting relevant material targeted to your audience. You know, we met Jessica and utilized her creativity by creating our monthly newsletter. It went from a simple email that we would send to our clients to a beautiful piece that is now attached to an email every month that our clients get. These same pieces can be printed and sent out as direct mail marketing. Creative Content loves to do direct mail marketing pieces, and this allows you to engage your clients from all different platforms. You can find Creative Content by Jessica across all social medias, and once you reach out to her, just tell her we said hi. The one thing I miss, and we had it for 12 years, and man, it lasted a long time, was a hot tub. Every single day. Once, As soon as summer was over, every single day, I had coffee in there, 4.30, 5 o'clock every morning. It was I would love best. a hot tub, it but my best. wife is always like, no, we don't need it. Oh, man. It, it, it'll happen. There's a little construction happening around here and get some things changed away that I want it. And yeah, it will have it again. It was worth the 30 bucks a month of electricity. Trust me. I've mentioned it a few times and I'm, and uh, she's just like, no, we don't need one. But, um, you know, maybe someday. I, But to be honest, or maybe 10 years ago, it was something that I really wanted. But I, I don't know about today. Who knows? Depends on how my knees react in the next couple of years. <laughs> and, and my wife very rarely went in. It was my I was in it every day. One of my sons, Kyle, he used it the second most his was he normally was like an evening guy that would jump in there after soccer or whatever and then it was just me and me and me and then she finally she finally went down it was a, nice. it was a long run 12 years a long time on a and i think i did one pump it was it was a thermo spa which back in the day was the cadillac who knows there's so many brands now but we looked at them we had, we had this huge fair up in massachusetts called the eastern states Ex- expedition it's massive and uh there's a bunch of contractors there that sell them you go in there and they're 
twelve, fifteen thousand dollars for a freaking hot tub. You could put a pool yeah. up for that. It's like holy well, shit. I mean, you can find them on like Facebook Marketplace. Oh yeah, because a lot of people buy them with the intentions of using them, and then they never use them. And then you can find that fifteen thousand dollar hot tub that's like five years old. That might be like sixty five hundred bucks. I'm, or something. I'm so. on marketplace all the time i love that place it's dangerous even when i like when i'm traveling down to go see you the last the beginning of the week i'm Mm -hmm. down in your area i'm like what can i buy on the way home what can i buy (laughs) always looking for deals deals on that thing oh yeah i mean you know i'm gonna have like one of my goals this spring is to clean (laughs) anybody local who needs some you know products or whatever i have some sample product in my garage that i need to give to somebody um but at the end of the day i want to keep some but my goal this summer is to clean out my garage and uh you know make the one side into a uh you know a real gym i have a gym in there but it's you know cluttered right now yeah um but i also want to do it because i want to go start fishing again and take my boat out and uh take some customers fishing and those kinds of things and uh um it's sitting in there since 2015 that's oh, the last man. time i used it and uh, so i have to get the engine kind of cleaned out and uh, it's only got like 12 hours on the engine but that's when my daughter got really big into soccer and my life ended for a while you know so um at the end of the day i, I definitely want to do that this year and get the boat registered and and uh and you know, do some fishing. Um, so. We we used to do a ton of it. Um, we had a smaller boat for the ocean for fishing, and my boys grew up just casting away into rocks. We we would go all over. My wife would, she would drive the boat. She'd be backing us into the rips. I mean, we were we were going at it serious. And then nice. Now we just <clears throat> hire a captain. <laughs> we go out yeah. on the boat. I mean, I I miss it. It but you know, Matt puts on a good trip. Nutmeg State. We. We do a striper trip with him. We were supposed to do a um, shark slash tuna trip, and it got canceled because of weather. And then the captain called him like 18 hours later. He had two spots open, and him and his wife, Vic, went out, and they scored. They got like eight tuna, which was awesome. Oh, that's awesome. It was a br- long trip. It's like it's like an 18-hour day. It's crazy, but they did yeah. very well. I've never I've never done, done tuna fishing before, and I would like to do it. Um you know, maybe the next couple of years, it's definitely on my bucket list. Um, you know, one of the things I want to hopefully get down and do this year is where my, the new company is, is that there's a lot of, you know, the people down there fish all the time. So, um, sailfish you know, capital go, of the world, you got it. I want to go sail fishing or some kind of big game fish or whatever, but I also want to go down there and go down towards Miami in that area and go peacock bass fishing um peacock always, reds all that all the flats yeah, yeah. flat bottom boat like guys boat, bone fishing yep like god i grew up watching you know jose Wahebe and all those guys and and going bone fishing and peacock bass fishing and uh you know it's years ago i actually looked into it and my dad and i were like almost ready i was probably like 22 something like that we were almost ready to pull the trigger um but then like at the last minute, like the price like doubled. So it never happened. But um, now that Peacock Bass are down in Miami, they're not huge or anything, um, but that's okay. They still fight the same way and hit the same way. And 
they're pretty. I mean, they're a pretty fish. And uh, so one day I'm going to, in the next few years, I want to get down there and do that. But, you know, bone fishing has always been something I wanted to do, but there's such a spooky fish that it's, they're hard to catch. It's all sight fish. It's all stalking. Uh, yeah. And you need to be on the flat with one of those particular boats that just, you know, you kind of push along with a, with a guide. Um, and uh, so all kinds of those, that kind of fishing that's more down South than it is up here. Um, but you know, definitely tuna fishing is definitely, uh, on that list to go do someday. Yeah. He brought back some wonderfully tasting tuna and my brother, it's funny, my brother-in-law and sister were up here from Florida and we swung by and picked it up. And my, my brother-in-law is an amazing chef and he freaking seared it and did a a, a high aha tuna or whatever it was on the grill Mm -hmm. on the flat top it was amazing i mean people that didn't even like fish were eating it it's it was cool and when you get it that fresh i mean there's there's barely a taste to it it's it was good stuff so yeah i know there's an outstanding tuna trip i think for this year with with matt he he basically kicked the uh the ride until 365 days and what he and Vic did was just an add-on. So there should be some tuna hopefully again this year. So what else we got? It's uh it's probably wrap-up time here. Yeah. Looking at the clock. Well, yeah, well, I guess it is, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we we've been chatting long enough. I think we got enough going on. We got some cool things coming in the works that we'll be talking about over the next week or two, but we'll uh no, we won't yeah, keep you on I a leash think, with that. And I hope the weather, you know, we can start really talking about you know what's going on in the industry it's and coming uh, fast you know see all the uh i'm not going to call them problems but the hiccups and uh you know people's dilemmas and whatnot and uh you know so hell everyone's going to have a dilemma here or there in the spring and you know talk about it and let's all you know let everybody learn from it you know being that it is the we'll call it the first week of february this will be going out the second week of february Pull the reins back a little bit. I know it's warm, but use yep. use that energy and motivation in in marketing. Make sure, you know, if you're needing customers and looking to expand, this is when they're going to be they're going to be biting and chopping and looking to go. So make sure your presence is known. You know, we use creative content by Jessica and definitely someone that can make a difference in your marketing campaign in a short time quickly. Um cuz Big coastal storm coming. Who knows how long this warm break is coming? We don't know if it'll be rain. Like it, we've always say, the weatherman's job is the best because even when they're wrong, everyone's happy. Yeah, no <laughs> doubt. Um, well, you know, I personally think I would love to see a little bit more snow. Um, you know, another like if it snowed next fr- in weekend, give us seven to ten days of snow cover, and uh, you know, then maybe March first, you know, we we get out there and yep. we're. Uh, we're rocking and rolling, but, um, I know down, I mean, obviously down South, they don't really probably have to worry about that so much. Um, but up here, I'm going to say from like, I don't know, maybe even North Carolina North. I mean, you know, North Carolina's had some crazy weather this year. So, uh, um, just depends on what mother nature's going to provide and what kind of dilemma she's going to put on to us this year and it's wild because you know we're we're claiming up here that 50s and 60s is warm which it is and florida where my family is and plenty of our listeners they're real they're extremely cold so yeah their their turf is slowed way down it's got yeah. a national growth regulator and I, I just actually saw a post of megan corberly from the landscape and bookkeeper walking 
with Joey and their son with my sweatshirt on. So they're in, they're in Pensacola area wearing sweatshirts. So it, it's definitely oh, it's different. Cold. Yeah. So it's they're definitely cold. As we talk about holding back the rains and starting up down there, they probably should be starting up and they probably can't because it is too cold right now. You know, they yep. gotta, they have to wait for the grass to actually start moving that warm season stuff to actually take in nutrients. So it's, it's, geez, it's a start of an extra. Oh, that's what. Do you want to guess what the big problem for this year is going to be now? Do you want to, is it going to be too much water, <laughs> too much heat, too much dry, certain insect? I think mm, that's a tough one, man. <laughs> well, we can think on it. We'll think about it and hit it. We'll hit no, it up next week. No. I, 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 wanna, I like <laughs> when I get put on the spot like that. So um, this is New Jersey specific um, only because of the shift in grub controls. I'm going to say here in New Jersey that we're going to have a grub problem. We, I, I'm going to second that because – we saw more activity this year than I've seen in the last three to five years. And as you know, that population's here and they've, they're here to lay some eggs again. And, and we're going to, I think we'll see some, some more than we're used to because prior to that was chinch when we had that dry. And now we've got, well, we had the moisture last year. And another thing I want to dig into, and I got to look into it, uh, Glenn from Deep Roots brought it up that he heard that they actually changed the zonal map in the United States because of the warming. I saw that too. And we'll talk about it in depth next week um, when we actually have it in front of us and hard facts. So we're not just shooting from the hip and we've been rambling on long enough, but thank you, Glenn, I, for bringing that up. And and I started digging into it. I'm like, Holy cow. You know, I saw it and I didn't really even put two thoughts to it, you know, because uh, you know, okay. Like this happens all the time, not all the time, but it happens periodically so i never really even put some thought to it but um yeah it does matter um yeah. oh yeah this could also be this you know because of this shift other insects could become a problem um so correct but i think that you know because of this change that we're seeing yeah i, I think insects are going to be the problem this year um i just have that gut feeling because of look it's no disrespect, but it's because of the cost factor of these newer type products out here. I think it's going to be grub mainly for insect. And in my area, it's going to be yellow nutsedge. Thanks to all the water we had. Those, uh, yeah. Those tubers I, are just festering, waiting to go with some heat, baby. Yeah, I can, I can definitely see that. Um, you know, <sighs> yellow nutsedge, green Kalinga, um, I, I don't know what, what it is with those two weeds. Like what, like, is it because of the cost of the product, especially for green Kalinga um, nuts edge? I mean, it's, you know, that's really not that expensive. It's a roughly around a dollar per thousand square foot, a little bit over a dollar per thousand square foot. If you're using sedge master sedge hammer, something along those lines. Um, so it really shouldn't be a cost factor on that. It's more, I think a timing factor when it comes to nuts edge, I think we all wait until it's, you know, in July and it's all up and those tubers are flowing like crazy, man. And uh, yeah, we're killing what's there, but then two weeks later you come back and there you are it's there <laughs> again. So, yep. um, you know, I, you know, some people will say yellow nuts edge germinates when it hits about, 65 degree soil temperatures i will whew, 
I, I, I don't know if I agree with that. I think it's, I think it's lower than that. Um, I'm going to say around that 58 to 60 degree range. Um, I've seen nuts edge in April before. Um, hell last year I saw green Kalinga in early May. Um, what don't get me wrong. wasn't flowering, but it was there. So um, Matt and I do that every year. It's like who can send each other the first picture of nuts edge. And I, we have way too many texts to find it, but I think he sent it to me first this year. And I'd be hard to say if it wasn't May, early May. I, you know, over the last couple of years, and this is not a recommendation to do because um, it's a weather dependent product. You know, that's the wrong way of putting it. When weather is cool and wet, you could have some discoloration issues. Uh, but I have a lot of customers who use things with sulfentrazone in them. And man, for yellow nuts edge, their properties are freaking clean, man, when it comes to yellow nuts edge. Green Kalinga, that's a whole other animal. And anybody who is using Solero, man, they're they're doing quite well controlling uh uh, green Kalinga with Solero. Now you have to use a surfactant with that um, or it's just not going to work. Um, and you, it's multiple applications. And I think people are just afraid to charge for it. But you, if you want a, a lawn without green Kalinga, um, some of the lawns I've seen in my area, <laughs> you're, you're three applications a year for three years before you're going to get that cleaned up. Um, but at the same time, it's an expensive application and you got to charge for it. It can't be free. Um, or you're going to put yourself, you're going to be bankrupt if you do all that for free. Um, so it's, you know, there's a lot of information about those two weeds out there. Um, read about it. Just don't wait for them to become actively growing because um, well, maybe that's the wrong term, but don't wait until they're, you know, six inches above the grass to, to spray for them. Cause that's probably the improper timing, especially for, for red nuts edge. All right. With that note on nuts edge, we're going to back ourselves out of here. We've been flapping long enough. <laughs> what else is new? Yeah, that's good. But thank you all again for listening. Um, we will be back at you next week. See ya. The turf nutrition and management podcast the podcast for professional turf managers. Here, we talk about the profession, the ever-changing products, and the business side of owning and operating a turf management company. Whether this is your first year in the business or your 20th, our discussions and special guests will help you continue to grow a successful business. Now, here are your hosts with 35-plus